here we go. The downward facing spiritual pod the downward facing spiritual spiral podcast. Say that 25 times real fast. This is actually take three, and I still screwed up. The first two takes, there was a siren that kept driving by uh, my place, so I had to press record again, and yet I still screwed it up. But anyway, my name is Eddie Cohn. I'm host, creator of The Spiritual Spiral. Hope you're having a great day. I'm in LA. It's about 90. I'm not exaggerating. It's like 98 degrees today. It's amazing outside. You ever have those moments where you feel so dang lucky. Yeah, I had, I had one of those days. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm certainly not walking around on cloud nine all the time. But I had a great day. And you're going to listen to a great podcast today with a wonderful artist here in LA, Irish Lal. I'm always impressed and intrigued and curious about artists that pursue lots of different mediums, not just one thing. I think I used to limit myself for so many years. I used to think I'm only a musician, I'm only a singer. And then I sort of like the, 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 the door got knocked down. I knocked the door down. I'm like, what am I only doing one, one creative area? Let's try, let's try many different creative areas. It's okay, you know? I think it's actually exciting. It, it expands the brain. And I reach, he's a DJ. He's an amazing trumpet player. He's a producer, keyboard player. And he also DJs these yoga parties in LA. I think that's why I was also intrigued by Irish. I'm a yoga teacher, and he DJs these yoga parties here. And I think there is this beautiful collaboration. This, this beautiful symmetry happens with yoga and the right music. It can be this incredibly healing, beautiful experience. And so I wanted to talk to Irish. He also just put out a new record, I guess, quote unquote, new. It came out, I believe, in October called Journey Through the Chakras. And honestly, it's, it sounds fantastic. The trumpet playing is amazing. The sitar playing is amazing. So Irish has his hands on some really cool stuff here in the city. So I definitely suggest you visit irishlal.com. I'll put this, I'll spell it out for you in the, in the notes section of the podcast, but you can find him on Instagram or irishlal.com. And he also posts these really cool videos where He's DJing or playing trumpet uh, while an artist is doing this amazing painting. Beautiful stuff. So we have a really cool talk about artistry and craft and music and, and his world of DJing and music and how he got into music. Uh, we talk a little bit about social media also. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my podcast, before I let you go, I think it, it certainly touches on different areas that I'm interested by or interested in. Um, but it's funny, before I let you go, something that I just think about is, is I was listening to other podcasts. I think it's so easy to get drowned out by consuming other people's quote-unquote stuff, whether it's TV shows, movies, listening to podcasts all day. I mean, I think it's great that Joe Rogan podcasts, but he's po he's posting like four podcasts a week that are four hours long. So how much is that taking away from us being productive? How much is that taking away from us being creative, being active participants? Something to think about. I, I think that's why I'm so intrigued by people that try so many different things. DJing, writing, 
teaching yoga. I mean, don't limit yourself. Hopefully this conversation inspires you to maybe try painting or try a new creative arena. You don't have to stop being curious just because you graduated college, just because you have kids or are starting to raise a family. Keep the curiosity going. It's something that I hold on to and something that I really believe in. So yeah, it's a great talk. Irish is doing the, is DJing these parties on Friday nights. I think they're private events, but they should be opening up to the public uh, probably this coming summer. So again, irishlaw.com, or you can find them on Instagram as well. All the music on today's episode is from this new record, Journey Through the Chakras by Irish, which I think is fantastic. Um, and that's it. Irish, thanks so much for taking the time. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends. Write a review on iTunes. All of that is incredibly helpful. Maybe send me a message on Instagram. Tell me what you like. Or if you have any questions, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the website's iameddycone.com. I have a new yoga book coming out in the next couple months, but you can buy it now at ssafyoga.com. I'll be posting more podcasts about the book. I may even be um, developing a new podcast specifically for SSAF Yoga. A bit more on that later. I've got some new music also on Spotify coming out. So that is it. Irish, thanks again for taking the time. And thanks to all of you for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thanks for meeting up, and nice to see you, and nice to meet you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Sure. Are you are you in LA? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to live in Venice, and then when the uh, when the pandemic hit, I moved inland uh, with family. I also have a house in Lake Arrowhead, which is where I'm heading up to right after this call. Okay, great. So I'm back and forth. I uh, regularly just started rehearsing with a tabla player out in Venice, so I'm there every week. So okay. kind of all over Southern California. Yeah, man. But I'm definitely hoping to move back to probably downtown LA area soon. Yeah. Where Where are you from? I was born in India. Okay. I was born in Chandigarh. And then uh, my family moved out here when I was a little kid. And then I uh, went to school in downtown at USC. And then uh, did some music stuff, had a couple of record deals, did some traveling and, yeah. and then whatnot. But I basically have been based in Southern California most of my life. Okay. For me, I, I think back... There's these memories that I have as a kid. We had a piano in the house. Mm-hmm. And so just at the age of like two or three, I just, I just started to play. And, and, um, and I remember a neighbor of mine down the street had a drum set. And I was just, you know, instantly enamored with this idea of, at first it was just cool to hit something. But then I, I became very intrigued by the, melo- or the or the rhythmic nature of the drums uh, so I guess, you know, going to a time machine, when when do you recall music was something that you had a curiosity towards? I mean, so my experience is a lot more the traditional way. Like I picked up the trumpet in fifth grade when it was taught in band, like mm-hmm. in 
public education school. That was the that was the first time we got access to an instrument. Yeah. Before that, like parents had me study like piano or take guitar lessons. But you know, when you're a little kid, you don't want to do that. You want to play out, you know, play basketball with friends. Sure. So it was more when the fifth grade happened and like it was kind of cool and fun for everyone to pick a different instrument and play in the band. And so that's when it started. And of course the band teacher could pick out and know like, oh you and so you know he pulled me aside and said you should probably take private lessons and this and that. And then, um, but yeah, fifth grade is when I started playing trumpet, did the whole traditional, played in junior high, high school and everything. And college is when I started learning jazz. Okay. So I went to USC and started studying in the jazz studies department. And that was like education for me. Yeah. And definitely doing that. I got lucky my senior year, I signed a record deal with a, a rock band basically. And, you know, got to do that and tour the country, opening up for people like Kid Rock and Smash Mouth and, I mean, just, Completely different style of music that I was studying in college or even, you know, classical music and playing. But um, that was fun. And you know, I, since then, I've had a couple other bands and I've gotten lucky. I've signed a few other record deals and put it out there. But um, it's only been really recently that I've gotten back into, I guess, my roots in the sense of Indian music. Yeah. And that just happened, I guess, organically. Living here in Los Angeles, um, I got approached by tabla players and sitar players that they make most of their money teaching and giving lessons. But, you know, when they reached out to me and they said, you know, just basically like, do you want to jam? Hmm. And we've been jamming together and there's a huge community. It's not just like two or three players. There, there's a bunch, there's a whole school. And since that started happening, you know, we kind of just had fun and, you know, I just put out an album while the pandemic happened, but now that things are opening up again, we're getting excited. We're going to start doing a Sunday residency. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I was listening to, I think the record's called Journey Through the Chakras. I was listening to it yeah. the last few days. And the tr by the way, it not only sounds amazing. No, thank you. Um, just, you know, the mix and, and just um, sonically speaking, but the trumpet playing is out of this world. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. No, and I imagine that's you playing all the trumpet on yeah. the record. Who's playing yeah. the sitar? Is it pronounced sitar? So sitar, his name's Rajib Carmaker. Wow. And he runs a school called Lima, which is stands for Los Angeles International Music Academy. Okay. And you can take sitar lessons there, dance lessons, tabla lessons. I mean, anything in Indian classical music culture. And uh, he's based right here in Van Nuys. But he, he has a school in four different locations. He goes to where his students are at. So I think he does one day on the west side, one day really far inland, like Redlands. Right. And downtown LA day and all that. But um, yeah, he just kind of reached out through a mutual friend who plays Dubla. And he also teaches in the school. His name's Neil. And uh, he's a friend that I, I jam with on Wednesdays. But um, yeah, it just organically met. We started jamming. We started playing shows together and, and, and performing live. And then it became into like, hey, let's, let's try to record this album. Yeah. I mean, the album wasn't just from jamming. That was actually a cerebral thing. So I've been asked to like jam and play at yoga, you know, events. And I'm kind of like new to learning to it. I mean, I, mean I, I might practice it a little bit, but when the yoga instructor is teaching it and he's talking and saying Sanskrit words and, you know, describing all the, you know, deep meanings of the chakras, I realized I got to study this a little bit more. Hmm. So as I started studying it more, it would just became really just I don't know, a cool, fun idea to like, dude, let's jam on the chakras. Let's jam on, you know, the first one, the second one, and realize, you know, just thinking, okay, not only playing the um, the tones that you're supposed to play associated with each different chakra, but also 
you know, the moods and what it's supposed to, you know, uh, convey. So, you know, the fourth one, the heart chakra, you know, play lines that be able to convey empathy. But, you know, how do you convey empathy? But, yeah. you know, and love and whatnot. But, but you know, doing our way at it and, and still going off a little bit. You know, it's not meant to be you sit down and meditate and listen to my album. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a more loosely a, a jazz album. But like I said, we definitely followed the rules as much as we could. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. You you touched on a lot of things, and I, you know, I'm a yoga teacher also, and I'm a musician and a DJ, and nice. I DJed a lot of yoga classes um, before, obviously, the last couple of years, and there is this sort of intimacy, uh, intrinsic value about yoga and the practice of yoga and music, and they do go hand in hand really well if done well and i think if you do have a knowledge of the practice or the chakras or yoga and you're also sort of having these musical tendencies it can't because i've been in classes where i'll i'll hear what teachers play in their playlist and i'm sort of like you know to myself what the what the fuck are they thinking because right. and not to be judgmental but I, I do think i believe music can uplift any experience totally and I, I mean, I imagine you have the same, you know, feelings about it, but are, you know, explain to me just sort of the power of, of music and the record and, and, and implementing yoga with, with your record. And, and it's, I, there's a lot there. So I think it started kind of in the same place where you were at, where I, I didn't want to be one of those people that was playing some whack music that was not appropriate to what was happening over there. So I had to learn about it. So yeah. at first, these parties that we were having, they weren't so yoga associated, but we did have live sitar, live trumpet, people dancing. We I, I was throwing these um, monthly body painting parties just to go back a little bit before the pandemic started. Wow. We'd have a bunch of artists, a bunch of models and body painting out in Santa Monica. But the kind of music for the soundscape before it turned into a DJ like house music night was kind of Indian classical music with sitar and tabla and, and, and jazz trumpet mixed in. And it was kind of a cool vibe because that was the vibe before everyone starts dancing and they're getting painted and everyone's checking everybody out. And it was a you know, cool thing. And we even did a few private events at private houses. And I posted a couple of those videos on my YouTube. But pandemic happened and all of that shut down. Right. And since that, the first things that are uh, opening up and like we're starting to do is just not so much the body painting part of it, but intimate, you know, yoga i guess you call them parties but instead of it going right into like dj dance music we talked about having a little bit more like the education side and you know really teaching about you know through the breathing exercise and, you know going through the chakras and all that so as these talks kind of happen this is all during the pandemic so i mean we're just locked down no one's really meeting in touch so i mean there's zooming calling people discussing stuff and just brainstorming and so the album happened that way too. None of the musicians were ever in the same room together. It all had to happen separately in studios, even the mix, you know, it just, but you know, so it happened, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah. And now that things are done and we're finally opening up, like I have never played my album live. So it's getting exciting to do it. This first event we're doing on August, um, April 10th, sorry, it's going to be more of a private one with just the yoga instructor and me. I mean, still playing trumpet and keyboards and DJing, but the one after that, we're going to add the tabla player and then slowly the sitar player. And then there's also a group of people that want to cook during these things and, you know, have food associated with each of the chakras and kind of have a have a party where, you know, we teach it, but not to a deep level, but just enough to where if people want to learn more, there'll be an opportunity that can, they can pick up more and check it out. Yeah. But yeah, for right now, just as the world's opening up again, I think it'd be cool to have these, you know, 
in Tibet yoga parties with live music. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm sort of, um, it's weird. I'm an introvert, but obviously an extrovert, but I do feel sort of the push and pull of being with people, not being with people. I got asked to go, a friend of mine's playing at the Mint tonight, and I think I'll go, but I, I do feel these sort of, I think the culture is really jonesing for these intimate, cool experiences like live music and like you're about to do on the 10th. But uh, do you do you sense this sort of anxiety about it or do you feel like people are just you know ready to go? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, there's, so there's a park in downtown LA called the Wisdom um, mm-hmm. and it's basically four different biodomes where you go inside and 180 degree visuals while musicians are playing. And I was performing at an event there called Art Battle. And it was just 12 artists painting, like Iron Chef competing. And I was like playing trumpet and DJing. And before the event, like it was one of those events, like I had no idea who's going to show up. I mean, I sent it out to my email list, but it's been two years. Yeah. And even the promoters at the place were called, how's it going to do? You know, no, everyone was nervous. At the event, 400 people showed up and they were expecting less than half that yeah. because there wasn't responses. So I think there is this energy. I mean, that um, it was on a Thursday night on the day of, like most people do, they post on social media, like, hey, I'm going to be here. Or you take a picture right when I get to the venue kind of vibe. That 400 something people showed up. Wow. And they were only expecting under 200 because, you know, it was an off night, kind of one of the, it was the end of January. So it was still like very, we weren't sure yet if we should go out and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that was a masked event. Um, I was on stage playing trumpet. So, of course, I wasn't masked. But right. Now it's April, I, and I, there's another place called Second Home in Hollywood, and that's a, like a WeWork space, but way cooler. It's like a jungle and a whole block and, uh, in Hollywood, like off of Western and um, DeLongpre. And for the for four Fridays in March, they did spoken word, and it was all intimate, and it was all sold out, but oh yeah, everybody that was at that event, and I was the opening act. I was playing music with the live painter, and yeah. it was just... Yeah, the fact that it was sold out. Usually you're pulling your friends to come to a spoken word event, right? You know, please, I promise it's going to be good. And right. like, okay, how long is it going to be? Is there parking? I mean, no, sold out. Spoken word, you know, 8 yeah. to 10 p.m. And the show's done. And I mean, I played 7 to 8 p.m., but that's the point. And um, yeah, I think people are jonesing to go out. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily like these big, huge concert kind of events that at least that I've been you know, attending. Yeah. Like... You were playing the trumpet, obviously, because it was just fun. And, and but, but were you were you thinking about like? And then I also well, let me focus here for a bit. I guess I'm always curious. Like I don't know how to read music, and I didn't go to school for music. And it's oh. just it's just something that I learned and I taught myself. But I just play by ear. Gotcha. Which you know, which lo- I'm jealous of. Which like, like I had to go the other way. Well, I mean. but I guess that's sort of. My my question and something that I'm intrigued intrigued by is, you know, what happens when this this sort of creative, unexplainable um, aura or or energy is something that you actually study in school? Is it is it a good thing to study something that you almost you, you don't necessarily have to go to school for? You, you know, it's it's a strange. A uh, complex sort of intersection, I think. You know, my freshman year in college, I was surrounded by a bunch of musicians that I said, I have no idea what they're doing in school. Like they could easily have record deals right now. Wow. And like, I think all of them pretty much do, or they're, you know, those A-list duty musicians. 
I don't think I was that guy. I think I was a classically trained trumpet player and I could read music. But if someone said, even like something as simple as the blues skill, like, hey, jam along with me. I wouldn't know what that meant unless you gave me a bunch of stuff to play or like a bag of tricks, you know, give me some licks to play and I'll move it. In. Yeah, it was just, and um, yeah, I got kind of taught, which is weird. It, was, it took college, like an institution, realized thing of, of breaking it apart. Like uh, there's a professor, I mean, the professor there's are amazing, but John Clayton who's a bass player with <clears throat> Count Basie, but he also has the Clayton Hamilton Orchestra. If you had sheet music at any of his rehearsals, he'd go and take it off your stand. Like you couldn't have sheet music. You, you. I mean, he just pushed memorizing the music, and really internalizing it and feeling it. And even when we're doing transcriptions, which is when you're copying a jazz solo from one of the legends, I mean, to me, I, I had to write it down. I mean, how am you gonna remember all these notes and so fast? But yeah, in his class, you couldn't read music, and you'd have to feel it. Yeah. And so that was a thing that was such a struggle for me. But yeah, by the time I got out, it was like, yeah, of course. I mean, I told you my senior year, I signed a record deal, and yeah, there was no way. You have a music stand on stage with a band, it's a rock band, you know, we're jumping around and doing your know, crazy stuff. But I would have been uncomfortable probably in high school if the same thing happened. You know, that band we all met, like, hey, we got signed, like, let's play. I would be like, oh, I got to write down these songs. What keys that one in? You know, just, yeah. Yeah. It, it took me, you know, four or five years of like, yeah, getting smacked away from like, <laughs> stop reading. Now I never, like, I, I never ever, I mean, even if it's like, it's a, I'm hired for session work. Yeah, I'll look at it, but then I'll definitely internalize it and memorize it. So when I got the headphones on, I'm not so much staring at the music. Like I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's way better. Like what you, what you do when you internalize it and play by ear. I think that's how naturally. Yeah. At least that's how Indian classical musicians teach too. if you're you know a trained or hired trumpet player or bass player it probably would make a lot of sense to go to school to learn the different you know variations and different genres um but maybe just you know for a songwriter i don't know I, i'm sure each can become very successful so um but i yeah I get, did you go to music school with the intention of of doing that for a living was that sort of no i i went there and I thought I was awesome because everyone thinks they are in high school. And then I I didn't even know USC was an amazing like school of music and, and whatnot. Like I was like, oh, I'm good. I'll play in the orchestra. And I went there and like, nope, you didn't make the orchestra. You didn't make this. You didn't, you know, I, my auditions wasn't good enough. But I did make the jazz band. Not saying the jazz band was low, but <laughs> just, it's a numbers thing. You know, there, you can have eight trumpet players total between two jazz bands, right? Okay. Orchestra only has two trumpet players, maybe three in between two orchestras, like, you do the math, like, you know, usually the graduate students play in the orchestras and whatnot. So I was in the jazz band. That's all I thought I was going to do. But then once they kind of heard me play a little bit, the people in the jazz department said, no, we're switching your major. You're not taking calculus and all these other <laughs> classes. Like they just, they, you know, put me into the whole jazz studies program. And this is the first week of school. So they literally changed my classes for me. And then, yeah, I became a jazz studies major. 
And that was all just because of an audition. And they were like, dude, who are you? How come you didn't come and audition to the School of Music? And blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't know. I got yeah. accepted to school. It was just, yeah. I, told, I mean, honestly, sometimes I think when things like this happen, so you don't choose it. It's Yeah, I don't think I chose it. I think whatever. The universe chose it for me. It just completely happened that way. Yeah. And, um, and I think if I wouldn't have signed a record deal my senior year and played like in the rock band and toured and traveled and listened to, I guess, a lot more commercial music than you hear when you're in college, um, I wouldn't have expanded my songwriting ability and thought, you know, of combining genres and things like that, um, which happens when you travel. When everyone travels, that's when you, you know, get outside your yeah your, your safe space your comfort zone right. so wait were you in a band uh and like talk to me about getting because it's weird i mean uh i'm just i do sort of uh think back to those days when record deals actually happened right <laughs> i know I, I yeah my last two albums just to make sure yeah no record no record company with like my, my solo stuff that obviously i put out during the pandemic and, right. and everything but Every project I did before then, um, I was just lucky enough to get signed. So I was playing in college with this band that were called Hot Sauce Johnson. Uh-huh. And um, the only way I could describe the music, it was like Lenny Kravitz meets the Beastie Boys. And just a cool, black, like soulful singer. And the band mixed, I guess, rock and hip hop, but like with a little bit of jazz trumpet thrown in. Yeah. It was cool enough for when we played the Viper Room for a bunch of record labels to be like, dude, we want to sign you. Wow. And we didn't get a lot of money, but I mean, we still got signed and album got put out and then we got dropped and just like, you know, story happens. And then usually when you get dropped, eventually the band breaks up because, you know, not making it. Yeah. Um, then I went in the underground scene, went to Burning Man. And got into electronic dance music and started a band called Animastic, had two female vocalists. And that I describe as like D-Light meets, uh, hmm. gosh, what was the band back then? Maybe um, it would be something hip hop, but yeah. I mean, um, what's it called? Uh, anyways, we did that. We got back when DreamWorks Records existed. We had like a, they had demo deals back then. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Uh-huh, like, sure. You're still screwed. <laughs> you can't do anything. You got to keep recording and making stuff. And they keep saying like, great, great, great. Give us more. But like, you're not getting a bunch of money. But anyways, that would just happen forever. And like that, you know, because nothing happened. That band broke up. Yeah. Then then, then I got into mixing Indian music with um, electronic music and jazz. And that band was called Lal Mary. And so my last name, L-A-L. And Mary, like, translates loosely to, I guess, mine or... Yeah. But it, it's, it was a, it was a three piece female vocals and my cousin from India I flew out and she sings beautiful Indian style, and Carmen Rizzo was a sure. Grammy nominated. I know producer, Carmen, yeah. Producer. he was in the band as well, and um, that was another weird one. We never played. I mean, we played live like at parties and stuff, or we just you know, but we just put a demo out on MySpace back then, <laughs> and Six Degrees Records loved it and they signed us to a record deal. You know, there's so. Yeah, just, I mean, I guess I, I keep saying lucky because when I hear everybody else's stories, you know, it's we built up 20,000 fans and we played in front of all these people and blah, 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 this and that. And like, I think just from the fortune of just living in Los Angeles, I played a show or, I mean, the reason why Carmen Rizzo, the, the uh, Grammy nominated producer joined the group is because the lead vocalist, her car was broken. And so he had to give her a ride. And during the ride, he's like, oh, what's this? Playing in your demo, which was one of our demos as we're working on songs, like, most people, when they're working on lyrics, it's in their car. Yeah. So this is cool. I want to meet that guy. And yeah, I mean, so that just happened. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you you bring up the word luck. And um, yeah, I just, I think it's interesting to work in, in, a, 
and be involved in a craft where it's not like I'm going to go to medical school and be a doctor. And it's, it's okay. not that being a doctor is, is is easy. It's really challenging. But I, I I get discouraged or confused about, um, you know, the artist's way, the artist's path. It, it, it is are the best artists becoming the most successful? Now, what is even success? And do you, did you do you get discouraged by the shift that's happening in the music industry, or or it feels like similarly to me? You know, I I started teaching yoga and DJing and doing different things. I, I don't know. How do you look at what sort of happened to the music industry, and and do you? I don't know. With with every project I had, it's not like we were way happier when we got signed, and <laughs> life was so. I mean, I think about it like the best times. And I'm just naming the three projects where I had record deals. Like I still moonlight with lots of other people and jam with DJs and stuff. But like those three serious projects, we had fun when we first met and we were jamming and recording the demos. And I mean, our fan base at first were just friends and, you know, it wasn't like people we didn't know. And that was just as much fun as when you're when you don't have a choice and you're required to open for this act at this venue because that's what the agent got you and you got to just go and you're on this tour and blah 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 and so when the records deal kind of stuff ended the stuff that was making me happy was honestly what i was doing with all of the bands beforehand it was usually finding people you like jamming and playing with and then eventually finding a home finding a residency a place where so that everyone can come out and see and usually it's a restaurant or a nightclub or whatever and I think the same thing is going to happen with these yoga parties that we're doing right now, even though it's a 20% rooftop deck kind of thing right now. I'm sure it's going to be eventually at a a space where anyone can, you know, can, can show up. Yeah. Do you think about social media at all and just sort of how that's impacted creativity and craft and, and sort of the expectation that artists should be promoting themselves and spending time doing that do you do you get i think the idea that people are creating content to make a platform successful versus creating content for themselves is can drive people like just that burnout phase yeah when when they get this thing like oh my gosh i should be putting up a story a day on all these platforms and i should be putting out this thing oh and i got to do a live stream and blah 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 and like even the Folks that are like pros, the ones that have a million followers on TikTok, like I've listened to some of their speech, like they don't do it like that. Like they have like one day a month where they go into a studio, knock out all their stuff, have it planned out and have everything, you know, hire a few people because, you know, they just don't want to do it all themselves. And then they schedule it and then they put it up and then they make it look very natural, you know, that it's happening. Right. Um, to do it the way like, you know, yeah, you're supposed to respond to everyone's you know response and messages and do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think all that's doing is really promoting the platform. It's just keeping your mind and energy on, which is what that social media platform wants to do. I mean, I think it's important to to have your presence there. But yeah, I, I've definitely seen the burnout phase where I've, I've seen people who are like talented musicians, but because they feel like they have to keep putting new stuff out there, they're putting stuff that they're, even their quality is going down a little bit, but they're like, oh, I got to do it every month because, you know, that's my, that's my algorithm. I go, uh... So that's where I don't buy into it. You know, like I have hardly any views on some of my videos and then I've got like 40 something thousand views on other ones and I have no idea why. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, I, I do, but I also know that I, I pull back a little bit in the sense that these past two years has been definitely a lot about everyone looking at their phones or, you know, being, being online. And now at least a few shows that I've played, 
people want to be out and no one kind of has their phone is shooting. Like everyone's like talking and engaging. So I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of focusing a little bit more on that right now. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me. It's, it's weird. I put out a record in October and I've made a few music videos and I, I have a book that's coming out. Uh, it's, it's a satire about um, our culture, but I use yoga as the backdrop. Man, I'd love to read it. Yeah, I, 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 I'll send it to you. Um, and it's weird. Like, I feel like I should post on social media or if I record a podcast, I should post about it on social media. But it's, it does take, there's something about the way my brain works when I'm making a song or when I'm writing a book. It's this, this very quiet, uh, I feel like I'm going down this funnel into my brain, into a very intimate, quiet space, um, I guess my soul. And when I, I know that people talk about creating a video on TikTok or creating a video on Instagram, but I know I don't feel the same when I'm doing that. It, it, does, it, feels artif- it feels like artificial intelligence. I feel like I'm sort of a robotic version of myself. And I'm, I'm quite conflicted about um, sort of this, this culture where it feels like artists have to do that but you you know you talk about quality. I, I mean I don't mean this to sound you know negative, um, but it does feel like there's a certain quality and essence to music that I don't hear like I used to. I mean there's artists that certainly break through like Masego. I, I absolutely think is just like a god. I I don't I can't understand it. Uh, so those artists do break through, but it just it feels like. Um, it's it's just it's just different than it used to be. I think uh, that is one of the reasons, and also because it's easier for for gigging reasons. But um, I DJ now and play trumpet at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's expanded my mind a lot. I mean, going you know through the whatever. I mean, not going through the record bins, but you know, going you know definitely down a spiral as you're putting together a set list. You know that to me, I want to connect the dots and make sense and, you know, stuff that's appropriate to play trumpet over. Um, yeah, I'm discovering all of these artists that yeah that aren't necessarily big, or at least I've never heard of them before, but like there's this niche. And I mean, we're lucky in LA that we've got a, a few radio stations that, you know, are, are alternative and, you know, outlets out there, but yeah, the rest of the world, I just, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't hear it in the mainstream world so much, but I definitely do. I mean, the right DJs. I mean, there's DJs that just play the top 40, I mean, and whatever. And that's that's what their job is for for the appropriate gig. But um, I don't know. I, I, I've been having fun kind of like going, like I said, going deep in the record bids and discovering stuff and sort of having that role of like maybe possibly presenting music for whatever audience that they've never heard of before. Mm. And of course, I'm doing live remixes because I'm playing trumpet and we're adding tabla on top and things like that. But um I suppose that's that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I'm not getting blown away by amazing new music on on the mainstream level and, and the popular level. I mean, you know, I like Billie Eilish and that, but sure. there's not like 30 of hers that I really really like. Yeah. You know, but I could say there's a 30 bands that, or sorry, maybe they're DJs or electronicists. I don't even know. I mean, I know Polo and Pan are popular, but they're an example of artists that I DJ and play and play trumpet over, and they're just these. I mean, amazing French electronic producers who, you know, are in the same, maybe 20 years after air, but taking it to the next level. 
and then going into that and like doing a whole set of maybe Ethiopian jazz. And it's like, yeah, so I'm getting more excited about the fact that I can access any kind of music, you know, with the streaming platforms versus needing to find the next big hit or thing because those aren't usually the, the venues or type of gigs that I get. Uh, in LA for you I, I, I love the different cultures the different scenes the different music um, do you do you, you must so vibe I, with it out here I, I think um, basically LA is everyone is in their 20 block radius right. so I know from promoting shows and even with record deals like that didn't matter you're still promoting shows the exact same way you're getting as many of your friends to come out and um yeah, if you, if you don't live in that 20 block radius, it's really hard to get people to come out yeah. and watch you play, especially now with live streaming. Because the first thing they're going, are you going to live stream it? Because that means, oh, I can sit on my ass and I'd have to leave and traffic and whatever. But um, like I said, that's that, that's changing a little bit, at least in the few shows that I've done. It's not been a lot. One at the end of January, four Fridays in March, and people are coming out and, you know, they're, they're, they're liking it. But um I kind of had this thing that except for maybe if you book a gig in downtown LA, because downtown is still like, ooh, we can get dressed up and go out and you know, we'll go to DTLA and deal with parking or public transportation because yeah, we're going out. Other than that, it's a pain for people to leave their 20 block grade. Yeah. Long Beach people don't want to go to West Hollywood people, no, to a West Hollywood show. San Monica people don't want to see a show in Pasadena and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Um, the benefits of that is you can be like a New York jazz musician and play like five nights a week, but not like on the same club, same strip. You're playing one night in Pasadena, one night in Long Beach, one night in, you know, Santa Monica. So in, in that way, now certain people, if, especially if you're a singer songwriter and you're playing your own songs, like that might drive them crazy. But being a jazz musician and being able to play a different set every night, especially if I'm DJing, sometimes I'll play music I've never even heard before, which I love. Yeah. And, um, and to me, that that's the fun, convenient part of LA. But I'm hoping it comes back to that now that the world's slowly opening up again. I haven't had any of it for two years. Yeah, I've been doing private parties and you know, mask, very spread out, backyard kind of things. Yeah, but yeah, nothing back to how it used to be. But I'm hoping. I'm hoping people. Yeah, are well, it's well. you know one of the one of the drawbacks I think of of sort of this convenient world that we live in, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's impossible to get people out of the house. I think, you know, I think, I think the Lakers deal with it. I think uh, everybody, major corporations, Netflix literally wants people to not sleep. So I, I think we're all dealing with that uh, addiction. And that's a social media thing too. So like I, I tell folks, I mean, if, if you're going to be creating this content on those platforms, do it because it makes you happy. Don't mm. be, because if soon as if you do it, it's like, I only got 12 views. What? That was a waste of time. Yeah, it, that, you can't do it for that reason. So like I've been making art videos for my social media content. I perform with a live painter. So when yeah, you I saw on, that. You put a camera on it so that, you know, it might take them 40 minutes to do it, but we time lapse it to, I think TikTok is 60 seconds. So we make a 60 second video and with green screen and chroma cream, I can go inside his painting and play. Like to me, that's cool. And when it's finished, 
and you know maybe we'll release it as an NFT or maybe not. But like that felt like writing a song. Like when I finished it, it it was just cool. It was you know. I first look at his artwork, and it's not always my original. It's actually, it's never usually my original music that I'm playing. It's kind of rarely that it fits. I usually find someone else's. Find the, I mean, just that process, and it's only like a sixty-second video for Instagram Reels or or TikTok. And I think we post it on YouTube Stories as well. But yeah, I'm doing that, and and we haven't blown up viral anyway, whatsoever. But I mean, the random people who have been liking it are brand new fans that I've never heard from before, and. They're not my family or friends. It's it's outside right. of that, and so that's where you know I believe all the stuff they're selling in social media. Like, oh, you can really expand your. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I did, but I mean, but really, really slowly. Yeah. And um, but honestly, like when I think about the kind of live performance that I want to do, at least right away, it is like more the intimate stuff. And so, like, yeah, I don't need to have a million followers and all this stuff. If, yeah. If a hundred people like it, that's awesome, you know. And the 20 of them come to a show and, you know, like I said, I think our yoga event on April 10th, 25 is the maximum. That's all that fits on this space in this rooftop deck. But Talk to me about the yoga event. Who's who's the teacher and where is this? And can anybody- I mean, so his name is Richard Roundtree. Okay. He works at um, uh, that. Uh, I'm going to mess it up, but it's a famous building where uh, it's one of those places where you get lots of amenities where you live with it. And so part of the amenities is you get free yoga. So he teaches in there. Um, when the pandemic happened, he moved away and now he just moved back and he's living inside one of those buildings now. It's a co-living space where you live there, you know, you get all these access. It's like fully furnished kind of vibe and the rooftop is open and they encourage residents there to do programming. Like they want people to do cool stuff there and, you know, they want to advertise as like, this is what you get when you live in, you know, these kind of places. Right. And so he brought, we just, you know. February, he moved in. March, he's like, dude, you want to check out this place? And I looked at it and he goes, what do you think? I said, yeah, this would be a great spot. Let's, let's try it out. And yeah, so the meeting was March and April 10th. We're just going to try it out. Just like, you know, so this is all fresh and new for us. But I mean, just to go back, I mean, when I was doing those body painting parties, I mean, a lot of people were showing up. I mean, the, our sellout was like 200 tickets. And wow. then we stopped. If you get any more, you get people squished and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I do have a huge email list, like 9,000 people, but we're going to hold off on that right now, which I think is <laughs> our first time doing it. So we just want to, and he had the same compliments about my album saying like, he thinks that the music fits really well with the active yoga part that he wants to do. And then, you know, he loves the fact that I understand what, you know, how to do the chakras and then he wants to do meditation part. And he's even down with afterward for it to be like a social event where everyone's kind of meeting each other. And for that, I'm going to be DJing and playing trumpet and just more of a, like an acid jazz kind of party. Yeah. Um, all during sunset, like 6 to 8 p.m. on a rooftop deck in Playa del Rey. Um, sounds fun to me. It sounds sounds cool. great. Yeah. So, yeah, we're inviting people out. Uh, limiting it, like I said, to 25 because it's his residence. And it's a, it's more, most like, it's supposed to be pitched to the residents first. And then, right. you know, after that, you know, friends of residents can come and whatnot. Um but I'm sure like, after, I mean, our goal is to do this at least monthly, but hopefully kind of like a regular Sunday thing and, you know, expand it. Like I was saying earlier, yeah, like-minded vibe, you know, maybe the party instead of six to eight expands, goes from four to 10 with, you know, other yeah. people do even collaborating with you. I mean, that'd be great too. I know. I was thinking that too. Um, and I mean, I, I just like the idea of having live Indian musicians along with a yoga and meditation aspect. You know, we, we kind of do a, 
it's not a jam because we're playing music from my album. So, you know, we are sticking to kind of rules and, you know, there's certain ragas in each song that we're playing. And then it's really associated to how he's teaching the class. And then everything kind of breaks down and goes into the meditation part. Right. Of, you know, you'd go through the chakras and that's the whole breathing. And there's not really any music, maybe a drone sound. But, yeah. you know, I'm just making sure I'm getting the right um, frequencies. You know, just making sure I'm hitting the right frequencies as he's going up the chakras. And then, you know, there's quiet time. And then after the silence, you know, it's like, you know, let's meet our neighbors and it turns into a little social party. And yeah. It turns into probably what you do, you know, jamming and DJing and playing on top. And for a lot of people, I mean, just hearing the tabla and live sitar and live trumpet, you know, with that stuff, like that's, that's kind of fun part of the party too. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're doing, like I said, we're keeping it simple and small right now, just 6 to 8 p.m. But I'm hoping things like this can turn into almost, you know, a Sunday fun day festival vibe towards, you know, multiple different music acts and DJs and blah, blah, blah. And there is food involved and there's, you know, multiple different interpretations of yoga or, or classes, sessions, yeah. we should say sessions, you know, happening. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what we're eventually hoping for, but not going that way, not starting thinking festival and then backwards. Like let's start with just two of us. Yeah. And then let's add up the, the double player, then like, you know, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. It's funny just listening to you talk. I know you just are you okay? Are you okay with time? You got a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got, like I said, it's it's my house. I'm not waiting for like an Airbnb okay, check. Cool. No, I was just thinking like you you. I don't want to say you brushed aside like oh you know I just started playing the trumpet in in high school or or middle school I for, or elementary school I forget. But just listening to you and I don't know if if your parents or family picked up on this, but you you do have this creative spirit and it's just it's 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 something that wasn't there like the trumpet did it well maybe the trumpet brought it out a little bit but i think so okay i mean for any of us in southern california who grew up in the suburbs i mean whether it's the orange county suburbs and so punk rock is like what you eat or that's honestly the the the, uh the suburbs in the valley too and then out where i was in the inland suburbs ranch cucamonga growing up out there it was there wasn't any music there wasn't any creativity it was basically sports i mean you live out there you you're a kid for a little while and then you're just into sports and that's just that's all it is right and yeah i mean there there it wasn't like you hear these stories like oh people who grew up in san francisco or in brooklyn and or even you you could just jam out and play with a musician down the street and yeah, there wasn't a musician down the street so yeah it was playing in the the fifth grade whatever the band that's a little pep band or whatever the heck it was i mean that's all you got to do and it was just it was cool yeah like, well, I mean, first, let me take that back. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool to be in band in high school and junior high. Right. So that, that's another reason why you don't find a, a lot of music. Like, nobody wants to get beaten up. So you, you don't find, like, those bonding things. So, like, you're just lonely. That is your creativity. So, yeah, I had, like, this Casio keyboard to come and play with and mess around and then all that. And then, yeah, then all that creativity comes out if you study music, like, at any school or any kind of program where – you go, oh, all this stuff I was just messing around with. This is how you do it and write it for an orchestra. And oh, and then it, you get really excited and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, r- right now, one of the things that I like, and I got actually noticed by um, the Music Center of LA last year, they have this thing called For the Love of LA and they feature a different artist every week. And uh, they featured my album. And what I did is like I hired um, an Indian dancer, like, who's versed in Indian classical dance, but also Western, you know, hip hop and modern. And she just did, made up a dance, dancing inside a painting like I've been doing with my friend for Solar Plexus Chakra, the third album, song on my album. 
And when we were doing it, we were just doing it because it was like a music center thing. But after we finished, it was like, wouldn't this be cool if this would be a, a fun monthly event where we did have like, you know, you dancing to the show. I mean, we still have to do the breathing section, but then, yeah, we actually do like the fun part where it's just, oh, wow, we're just stretching it a little bit. Yeah. And then even my body painting friends, I was like, yeah, what if we had stations and we have one for each chakra? So if you're going to do the root, yeah, you get painted in red and this station could do that. And so there's like these ideas of, you're right, this does sound like an all day party kind of a thing. This, this could be really cool. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, I mean, I feel like people are just starting to want to hang out again and everything. So like I said, we're going to start rooftop on Sunday, but if it turns into a Sunday fun day and it is uh, a day, afternoon, evening of Indian art and culture, or I mean Indian, like that's very loosely, you know, like yeah. we can expand that. Like I've got friends who are happen just to be Indian, but they're singer songwriters and, you know, it's very Western music they play, but, you know, I want to feature them on, you know, a day like this. Yeah. Be really cool. That's cool, man. You have your own studio at home? Were you not, not really. What happened was uh, the, uh, the person who mixed my album journey through the chakras, um, his name is Martin Pradler and okay. he's, he's a pretty A-list mixing engineer he works with i mean john mayer ry cooter okay amongst other films and tv and a bunch of other things and um i also just did trumpet work for him just because you know certain people they just ask you to play yeah of course you don't record on your stuff yeah um and then i realized i never got paid for any of that stuff but i didn't care i wasn't even thinking about it i was just thankful that he gave me such a bro deal for mixing you know my album right and doing all this work for super cheap but no, he felt like he owed me and he sent me this amazing microphone. And when I started just recording with it, and you know, I've got my whole setup and, and everything, I was just like, you know, then you start expanding. You start right. buying a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So like so now I'm getting there to the point where wherever I move into, like I either have to have a place to record or I'm I'm gonna basically buy kind of expensive, but like a portable drum studio. Yeah. So that I can record and be inside that. Like I like now I've got the bug. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, okay, once a year I go in to the studio for one week and do an album. It's like, wow, just like your setup. I'm looking at it. It looks so cool. Yeah. You know, like whenever you're inspired, you can actually record and like at least create, you know, a, a jam, if not a full song. Yeah. And um, that, that, that's the part that's exciting. It's like being able to do that. That's the thing. I think last point and then I'll let you go. I was just, it, it can feel very pressurized when you walk into this really expensive studio. I mean, I was just listening to Flea talk on the Mark Marin podcast and, you know, they were kids when they went and recorded some of those young Red Hot Chili Peppers records and it's like the expensive gear and the the monitors and the and the board and and obviously studios back then were so expensive. So it is it is like creativity can strike at any moment. And it's so great to just have some keyboards and the software and and we're just I'm feeling something tonight or tomorrow and, you know, I can just, I can go to town. Right. I mean, right now I'm doing like the solo DJ set, but previously it was always a band. So mm. with bands, there's always rehearsal and then blah, blah, blah. Then the show, the way it sounded rehearsal was always like, why can't we just capture this? Yeah. And then like, just keep the, and then you go to the studio and there's always like, oh, why does that not sound right? And it takes forever, but eventually we get it and you get yes. the sound right. And, but yeah, that whole process of just like, uh, and, and the idea of going in and only worrying about not messing up. Like, I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Like, when I play live, like, you guys don't know. And if I do mess up, maybe that may even makes it cooler a little bit. Like, oh, he's, you know, he's not computer, you know, he's playing this live. Yeah. In the studio, I always feel like I can only make a mistake. You know, mm. it's, but 
that's all changed. That was always with all the people that I've had record deals with, with Martin Pradler, who I did my solo, my two solo albums with. And I've gone to his studio in Chatsworth. I don't feel like he completely just, oh, comfortable. Like, which I know now why artists like Ry Cooter and John Mayer keep going back to him and to feel comfortable and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, when I record with him, I don't have any of that tension or any of that stress feeling. And, and you know, when I read things about other like famous producers, I hear Rick Rubin is like that. Like you go there and he just, he knows how to get the best out of you and just calm you down and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I've worked with producers where I, they've just made me nervous. And I was like, <laughs> Am I in fifth grade again? Like, well, why can't I play this right? Like, I wrote these songs, you know? Yeah, and yeah. It's just a weird, yeah. That, you're looking around at the equipment, basically. All these <laughs> guitars on the wall and these plaques and Grammys and stuff. And you're just like, dude, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, well, so people can find you. Right? I mean, you're doing the, the gig on the 10th. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have it on my website. So my website's Arish Lal. I'm I-R-E-E-S-A-T. Right. L-A-L. So on my website, like, there'll be, you can just click on that and go to the Eventbrite and whatever. Right. But we're not charging for this party. I think it's probably going to be donations only. But we think we have to do uh, email, I mean, RSVP because of the um, right. limited number of people. But eventually limited. it'll probably grow into something. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to always be on the rooftop. But we did have this idea of there's a handful of high-rise buildings that, that's that's where his day job is, where they offer these as amenities. And so in a place like that, we can present the idea like, I mean, not all the time, but, you know, maybe one Sunday every once in a while yeah. to do these all-day kind of Indian cultural parties with music and food and dance and everything. Great. I think that's the eventual goal to get there. But um, I think right now we're just so excited that, you know, it's people are ready to go out again. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this April 10th is the first one. Nice, man. Well, um Appreciate you got to be involved on these Sundays too. I know I was, I, I don't want to, uh, yes, I mean, yeah, I can email you, but I was thinking the same thing. I, I would love to see one of these events and I saw a clip on Facebook. I don't know if you know, Joseph Arthur, he's, I, I love him. He's actually been mm -hmm. on my show. He's this amazing singer songwriter, but he would paint while he's playing the guitar. Oh, and awesome. so it was, it just, it reminded me when I was watching the video, uh, with you, I don't. I don't think you were painting, but still, like you were making the music, and it was just. I, right. There's something about incorporating painting with music that I always think is so cool. And that happened just from uh, playing a random gig at the old House of Blues that was on Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's not there. The building's not there anymore. But uh, it was a DJ that kind of none of us knew, but every musician on that stage was incredible. Yeah. I mean, the tabla player who records on my album. I mean, I've known him since then. Like I got his card right away, and. Lily Hayden, she's a Grammy award-winning violin player, and she's got a band, Opium Moon. Like, she was on stage, and I don't know how this DJ just got all these A-list players and playing them, like, probably 50 bucks each or something. Yeah. But it was, like, a sold-out show at the House of Blues, and on stage, too, was this live painter, Norton Wisdom. And he's performed with everybody. You mentioned Flea. He's performed with the Chili Peppers. He's performed with Jane's Addiction. Uh, hmm. He works uh, with, like, the... Uh, yeah, there's a Pink Floyd cover band at the Wisdom. I mean, he just got a lot of musicians. And um, yeah, I we traded business cards right then and yeah. since then we've been playing together. But it's only been now with like this form of social media that we started doing these, me going inside his live painting and time-lapsing it and doing it. Because honestly, prior to that, it, it was pretty tough to do all that stuff. You'd have to go with the camera crew and green screen and lighting. Like now just with your app, you can press the green screen button and you can just go right into the thing and yeah. yeah so that's that's what's fun about it but yeah cool man 
I appreciate your time, and I'll post this in you know probably early next week, and I'll throw in some music also, which I love to do, and I'd love to keep in touch, and I really love to see one of the events when it when it opens to the public. No, absolutely, let's totally keep in touch. Yeah, cool, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah. No, I think uh, I definitely see us collaborating on one of these Sundays soon. Yeah, I, I love that idea. So um, yeah, it's great to meet to great to meet you and talk, and um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. Later, Aristide. Have a good uh, have a good day. You too. Bye.